Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Yep, so this is uh, Philippians 2, 1 to 11, and reading from the NIV. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks, Dan. That's great. Um, it's lovely to be with you here uh, uh, this evening. It's lovely to join uh, with, uh, with uh, City Centre again. I, I was trying to think earlier, when was the last time I, I was at City Centre? Um, and I think it was before Christmas, probably November time that I was there. Obviously, it looked a lot different to the way we're doing things right now. It was in person. Um, not just you could see me, but I could see you as well. Um, but uh, this is the way it is. This is what's happened with COVID and everything that we're having to do our meetings uh, online. So it's, it's great to be able to join with you in this kind of format um, as well. So I just want to start by uh, sharing uh, about something um, that someone told me a number of years ago. I think it was probably about six years ago, uh, a friend of mine who's a, who's a Church of England vicar began telling me about something that happened on his first Sunday as a curate uh, at his new church. Now, a curate, for those of you who don't know the Anglican church, a curate's kind of like, a, kind of like an assistant vicar. Uh, and this was his first Sunday at his new church as a curate. And he said, it, what happened on that first Sunday, he says, I wasn't down to do anything in the, in the service on that first Sunday. And I, and I didn't really know anyone yet. So I just went over, he said, and I, I sat down next to a guy sitting in, in one, of the, one of the pews. And he said, I just, I just waited for the service to start. And he said, while I waited for the service to start, I, I turned to this guy sitting next to me and I introduced uh, myself uh, to him. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm a new curate here. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Uh, and the guy just turned to him and said, hey, my name's James. Uh, so my friend said, so what do you do, James? He said, I'm, I'm a lawyer. Um, and they chatted, my friend and, and James chatted for a bit before the service. And then uh, after the service, they chatted a little bit more. And then afterwards, they, they parted ways. And then my friend said, just after that, just after he'd parted ways, after chatting with James, someone came up to him and said to him, do you know who that was that you were sitting next to in the service? And my friend said, yeah, I do. That's James. He's a lawyer. They said, yeah, he is called James and he is a lawyer, 
but he's also known as Lord Mackay, the Lord Chancellor, like the top legal mind in the UK and chief legal advisor to the prime minister. And my friend was like, oh, well, you never mentioned that. And here was a guy who'd, who'd reached the absolute top of his profession. He could have talked about all his achievements. He could have bragged about all the famous people he knew, but he didn't. He, despite his position, he was very, very humble. And that's what I want to talk about this evening, the importance for us as believers to be humble. And one of the passages in the Bible that shows us most clearly how important it is to be humble is the passage we just had read from Dan there, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Now, I know you're going through Philippians in a series. By the way, I just want to say I love the title you have for your series. Things like Letters from Lockdown. I'm thinking, oh, that's such a good title. Like, we're in lockdown. Paul was in jail. We wrote the letter. Lockdown. Uh, love it, really. Well done, everyone. That is a very good title. Uh, I wish I'd come up with it myself, and I probably will nick it sometime, uh, just so you know. But yeah, so we're in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11 tonight. Uh, and this evening, I just want to share two things we learned from this passage about being humble. Two things we learned from this passage, Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11, about being humble. So if you have the passage, if you have the Bible open in front of you, just keep it there so you can follow along. Uh, and we'll, I'll show you what these two things are. The first thing we learned from, from this passage, I think, is that being humble leads to healthy relationships with the people in our lives. Being humble leads to healthy relationships with the people in our lives. Now, I've been asked to preach on this passage, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, on a number of weddings, quite a few actually, down throughout the years. Uh, in fact, I, I preached in this passage at my sister's wedding uh, just last year. And, and whenever I preach on this passage on a wedding, I, I always start off by saying, do you want to know how to have a great marriage? And I kind of wait, and um, people kind of look and think, uh, yeah. Uh, and then I say, do you really want to know how to have a great marriage? And then a few wives kind of like nudge their husbands and say, yes, we do. Um, and then I say, do you really? And I kind of hype it up, and I ask it like four or five times. I get audience participation going, and I, I kind of hype it up until everyone's like, yes, for goodness sake, tell us how to have a great marriage. And then I say, well, actually, it's not just about how to have a great marriage. I'm going to tell you about how to have great relationships, whatever the relationship is. Do you want to know that? And everyone's like, yes, yes, tell us, please tell us. So I always do this. I always like really hype this up when I'm doing weddings in this passage. And then I say, okay, I'll tell you. Here's how you can have a great marriage guarantee. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter two, verse five. That's how to have a great marriage or any relationship for that matter. And I always do that. And, and, and afterwards, everyone's like, oh, okay, that is very interesting. So what was Jesus' mindset? Well, it was one of humility. Now, what is humility? Well, sometimes to understand something, it's, it's helpful to look at what the opposite of it is. And, and the opposite of humility is selfish ambition and vain conceit. We see it there in verse three of our passage. Now, now what are they? Well, selfish ambition is a, is a strong desire for personal gain at the expense of others. Selfish ambition is a strong desire for personal gain at the expense of others. So it's all about what you can get for yourself, more glory, more position, more honor, more money, more whatever. And it doesn't matter what you have to do to other people to get it. That's what selfish ambition is. 
Now, this seems to be, have been present in the Philippian church. That's why Paul has written about it here. And the result was lots of arguments and disagreements amongst people in the church because they all had selfish ambition and they were all trying to push up on top of other people to be top dog. So there are lots of arguments and disagreements. Now, when selfish ambition is present amongst the people group, that the root cause of it is usually the other thing in this passage, vain conceit. Now, vain conceit is, is having an excessively high opinion of yourself and your ability. It's when you think you're awesome, you're great, you're fantastic. And that's normally the root cause that normally leads to selfish ambition, having this desire for personal gain at the expense of others. So those are the two things that we see were in this Philippian church. Now, selfish ambition and vain conceit are the absolute opposite of humility. So what is humility then? Well, one of the main aspects of humility, which we see in the passage, is valuing others above yourself. Valuing others above yourself. And, you know, valuing others above yourself is easier said than done. You know, it, it's, it's hard to value others above yourself, especially when actual fact they aren't better than you, whether that's in terms of ability or intellect or morals, etc. Now, I'm sure we can all think of other people at church, and without being judgmental, you know you make better moral choices in life than they do. You know, they may swear a bit, and they've been known to drink a bit too much, and you don't do that. You're more generous than them. You read your Bibles more. You pray and share your faith more than they do. You're a more mature Christian than they are, and that's not just your opinion. It's actually true. You know, it's, it's hard to value people like that above yourself, isn't it? It's much easier to look down on them. And I maybe shared this before one time when I was at City Centre, but Elizabeth and I went to visit some friends of ours one time. And um, we were there, um, lovely Christian people, and we were there, we had dinner with them. And then we noticed in their bookshelf, there was the DVD collection of, of Game of Thrones. Yes, they'd still watch DVDs, I know. And it was the, the Game of Thrones selection. And, and, my, and my wife, Elizabeth, just said to them, so you watch Game of Thrones? And they were like, yeah, we love Game of Thrones. And she was like, isn't it like full of like sex and nudity and violence and loads of stuff like that? And they were like, uh, 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 and, uh, and they didn't really say too much but you know it's much easier for us to look down on our friends like that in a moment like that than value them above ourselves but that's what this passage says we're to do we're to value others above ourselves and when we do this, it has the potential to dramatically improve all our relationships with our friends, our co-workers, and, and our family. Now, it's not, as I said earlier, it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's, it's difficult to value others above yourselves, especially people who have, who have different opinions to you, different theological opinions, maybe different political opinions, maybe different views on Brexit. Yeah, do you remember Brexit? That thing we talked about loads before COVID and now everyone's forgotten about uh, maybe someone has a different opinion on that. It's difficult to value those above yourselves when they have different opinions on things you really care about. Or perhaps they're a bit annoying or they talk too much. You know, it's difficult to value people like that above yourselves. It's not easy to value others above ourselves. So question, how do we do it then? How do we value others above ourselves? Well, I think... I think the key is in having a balanced view of ourselves. Having a balanced view of ourselves, that's the key. And I find this quote by Timothy Keller helpful when it comes to having a balanced view of myself. He says this, and I'll read it twice, it's really good. He says this, 
we are more sinful. He's talking about Christians here. We're more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. I want to say that again. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. You see, the more I acknowledge my own failures and shortcomings, the more I recognize how much I depend on God looking at me favorably through Jesus. And the more I will be able to look at others favorably and value them despite their flaws and shortcomings. Because Jesus does the same with me. But, you know, God also sometimes sends things into our lives to help us get a more balanced view of ourselves. I've experienced this a number of times. Uh, one particular time was, uh, it was, it was a couple of years ago. No, well, actually, more than a couple of years ago, actually. It was probably six or seven years ago. It was in my previous church. Uh, and in my previous church, I preached pretty regularly. And I thought to myself, after a year or two of preaching, I thought, I'm a pretty good preacher. I'm okay at this. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I'm all right at preaching. And then one Sunday evening, just after I preached, this, um, this older woman came to me and um, just really got stuck into my sermon, like really criticized loads of it and stuff. And, um, and, and the thing that kind of hurt most was actually a lot of what she said was kind of right. You know, like it wasn't like I could just disagree and say, oh, that's rubbish. It was right. And it, and it kind of stung for a bit. It really kind of made me feel like, oh, wow, this hurts. I don't like this. But, you know, I can remember in the, in the days after that, I don't know what it was, but just being a, a lot more patient and, uh, and tender with other people. And it was kind of like God had used this criticism to restore me to a balanced view of myself. It wasn't this whole kind of like, oh, I'm the best preacher in the world. No, no, a balanced view of myself. What was reality? And that had led me to value others much more than I had before. So we've seen that in order for us to, to be humble, we need to learn to value others above ourselves. And, and having a balanced view of ourselves helps with that. But the passage tells us that humility is not just about valuing others above ourselves. It's also about not looking to our own interests, but looking to the interests of others. It's, it's shifting our attention away from ourselves to others. So what are some of the ways we can look to the interests of others? Um, well, I think a real simple way of looking to the interests of others is kind of what we've done with Give Big, of giving our money to others. I know lots of you have been incredibly generous in, in giving to this COVID fund, giving money that actually you could have used to buy stuff for yourself, but you've decided, no, I'm going to give that to others. I'm going to look at the interests of others. So the give, giving is, is one way of looking to the interests of others. Another way of looking to the interests of others is, is loving difficult people. You know, often there are people that probably not at city center, like you're all amazing, but oftentimes in a lot of churches, there are, are people in church who are just a bit difficult, you know, just a bit hard to be around. I don't know, maybe they talk too much or they're just a bit annoying, you know? And I remember one time uh, in church, uh, there was a guy like that who was, who was just very difficult to be around. Uh, and as a result, he wasn't very popular. Not many people talked to him. But I noticed that there was this, this other guy at church who was very popular. Everyone loved hanging around with him. and wanted to hang around and talk to him and everything. But I noticed that every Sunday after church, instead of just hanging out with his mates, this popular guy, he would always go over and talk to the guy who was a bit difficult, who was a bit unpopular. Now, he didn't have to, but he did. 
And then, I, and then I noticed that he even started giving him lifts to and from church. I was like, wow, that's nice. But, and then when his birthday came around, he even threw him a birthday party. And even though it was a struggle for him, he managed to convince a few people to come along to the birthday party as well. And it was actually quite a nice birthday party. When I think of that, I think, wow, that's such a beautiful example of, of not looking to your own interests, but looking to the interests of others. Such a simple thing, but so Christ-like. So Christ-like. One simple uh, thing I've been trying to do to look to the interests of others recently is I've been trying to listen more. I've been trying to listen more. And I realize the irony of saying this in a sermon where I speak at you for 20 minutes, but, but listening is one of, the, one of the simplest ways of looking to the interests of others. And often, here's what happens. Often when I'm listening to someone, they're talking to me, we're in a conversation, two of us, um, uh, and uh, we, we may have kind of forgotten what that's like, the whole kind of COVID thing. But, you know, remember back like two, three months ago when you had a person face to face and you talked to them and you talked and they listened. Often what I do is when, when I'd listen to someone, I'd be listening to them and then a thought would come into my head, right? And the thought would be this. Oh, Andy, you've got a great story about that thing that you're talking about. Tell them. Tell them, go on, tell them, tell them your story, tell them your story, they'll love it, tell them. And then what I'd do is I'd interrupt them and tell them my story. And then I'd be a little bit surprised that they weren't actually that interested in my story, they'd rather I just listen to them. But what I've been trying to do instead recently is I've been trying to stop that thought going from my brain to my mouth. And instead of telling my story, continuing to listen to them, or, or even better, asking them another question about what they're talking about. So maybe some of you, if you're talking to me over the next few weeks, you can kind of judge how well I'm doing on that. If I just talk at you nonstop, I'll, yeah, it'll not be that good, but um, I'm, I'm trying. Anyway, I'm trying, but it's, it's such a good thing to do, such a good way to value others um, and to put their interest above yours. And also it's not just listening, but actually asking questions of people and listening to the answers. It's, it's a great way to show your interest in others and that you care. It makes people feel so valued, it really does shows that you're willing to give them your time and your attention to them. Now, some of you may have remembered uh, Tunde, who used to go to uh, their uh, Lady Barn site, who, who sadly passed away back in, in October time, uh, very suddenly. But Tunde was one of the guys who was great at this. You know, he, he would ask you questions and he would listen to you explain your answer like you're the only person in the world. He was really, really good at that. That's such a gift, it really is. So like I said at the beginning, when we grow in humility, it leads to healthier relationships with the people in our lives. How? Well, we listen more. We're more patient. When we see their shortcomings and we're tempted to judge them, we remind ourselves of the fact that we are, ourselves are more flawed than we can ever imagine, yet more loved by Jesus than we could ever imagine too. But being humble doesn't just lead to healthy relationships with people in our lives. It also leads to a healthy relationship with God. You know, at the beginning, we mentioned that, that selfish ambition and vain conceit are the opposite of humility. And another word that comes to mind that fits this category is pride. You know, pride is the ultimate barrier to humility and the ultimate barrier to relationship with, with God. Pride says, I'm in charge and I'm in control of my life. Pride says, I don't need God or his forgiveness or his help. Pride keeps us from acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. And, and you know, I, I just wonder if one of the things that, that the whole COVID crisis has done is that it has humbled many of us. 
all of a sudden we're realizing that our careers, our, our finances, our health, our families, our plans for the future aren't as secure as, as we once thought. We're realizing how little control we have over our own lives. And, and I think what COVID is doing for many of us is, is that it's starting to replace self-reliance and ultimately our pride and our own abilities with humility which is leading to many of us to seek God in a new way, or even to seek God for the first time. You know, I, I was reading this week that, that church attendance before lockdown, and I couldn't believe this when I read this, church attendance before lockdown was around 5 to 7% of, of, of UK. During lockdown, online church attendance has gone up to 24%. That's like a quarter. I mean, that's a huge increase. I was reading as well that the, the online uh, bookstore, Eden, reported a 55% increase in sales of Bibles in April during lockdown. Tear Fund uh, had a survey where, where they, they, they found that 3 million people in this country have turned to prayer during lockdown. Now, I'm not entirely sure what turning to prayer means, but it's a good thing. And, and many, many more people are joining al online alpha courses than ever before and getting saved through them. You know? So something's happened. And, you know, my prayer is that, that we would see a wave of people in this country coming to know Jesus in a new way, or even for the first time through this whole crisis. You know, humility helps us come into a relationship with God, as, as many people are experiencing through this crisis in the first place. But, but it also strengthens our relationship with God as well, for those of us who are already Christians. You know, I'll be honest with you. Over the last kind of few weeks in lockdown, my, my quiet times, they've become a bit routine, you know, they've become a bit just, you know, going through the motions. Um, nothing particularly wrong with them, but just, just a bit routine. And uh, just last week, it was almost exactly a week ago, I was, um, I was just listening to some podcasts uh, and um, I don't know what it was really. I don't think it was anything particularly in the podcast, but I, I just became quite aware of, of a lot of my weaknesses in life. You know, just the things I'm not good at and, and also the areas where I feel in life. And I, I'm just, I, I don't live up to what I should do. And it wasn't like I kind of, I was beating myself up kind of thing. It was just, I just became really aware of a lot of my weaknesses. Um, and, 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 I, and what happened was the next day, which was a, was, it was a Tuesday. The next day, I found myself, for the first time in weeks really, looking forward to my quiet time, looking forward to reading God's word. And, and when I did read it, I, I was really attentive to each word I read and, and actually really felt God speak into my life in a new way. Now, why do I share that? Well, basically what happened was I, I drew closer to God kind of through that whole situation. Now, what drew me closer to God at that time? Well, I think humility actually drew me closer to God. I'd, I'd come to realize some things that humbled me and that drew me closer to God. So just to sum up, we've, we've seen that being humble is, is when we have a balanced view of ourself. Being humble is when we have a balanced view of ourselves. It's also when we value others above ourselves. And also it's when we look not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. And this leads to not only healthy relationships with people, but also with God. Now to finish this teaching on humility, this passage, Paul points us, and this, these are some of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Paul points us to the ultimate example of humility. Jesus 
going to the cross. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. I just want to finish by, by reading. It says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me just pray as we finish. Lord, thank you for your amazing example of humility. Thank you that you humbled yourself, being obedient to your Father, and going to the cross, dying on that cross for our sins, for us, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be redeemed, so that we could one day go and be this life. Thank you. Lord, I just pray that you help us and you equip us in our lives to be humble, Lord, to grow in humility, to value others above ourselves, to not look just to our own interests, but to the interests of others, and to have that balanced view of ourselves, Lord. I ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.